All right, everybody, welcome on in latest edition, Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, the new general manager of Rio Tinto Stadium as our guest today, replacing Craig Martin, who you heard last week, is Leif Smith. Leif's a guy that's been around the club um, for an extended number of years, has been responsible for bringing in high-profile events to Rio Tinto Stadium, including Inter Milan, Manchester United, Eintracht, Frankfurt, a lot of concerts, uh, which you'll see later this year out on the America First Credit Union Plaza, and obviously the big Liga MX match between Club America and Santos that just happened over 4th of July weekend. We recorded this interview presented by OneWire VOIP, um, OneWire Fiber, our, our great sponsor here. For Ryan and I in this endeavor, uh, thank you again to Adam Sessions. But anyway, we recorded this interview with Leif uh, a few weeks ago uh, when the changes were kind of happening internally. When Craig was on his way out, Leif was on his way in. It had not been made official at the time that he was going to be the new GM, but he was definitely the leader in the clubhouse, if you will, because he's just done such a great job lining up events and kind of keeping Rio Tinto Stadium from an operational standpoint on the straight and narrow. Obviously, these external events to RSL, Royals, Monarchs, Academy, everything at Rio Tinto Stadium that does not involve the club, um, there's a financial aspect. There's a business aspect. uh, There's a PR aspect. There's obviously broadcast, uh, food and beverage. There's so much that goes into it that even a guy like myself who's been involved in, in sports and entertainment for 20-plus years, um, I kind of get blown away by sometimes the attention to detail is necessary for Leif and his staff in terms of credentialing, in terms of um, you know, so much beer and soda was going to be sold at the Liga MX exhibition that there was not enough refrigerator space in the very ample – uh, kitchens there at Rio Tinto Stadium. So they had to bring in like refrigerated trucks. Um, and then that has a knock-on effect in terms of power consumption. Obviously, there's fireworks issues, flyover issues um, with the drought and the current uh, fireworks issues in our state. Um, Leif has to interface with all the police and fire and Sandy City Council and the local authorities. So it's... Um, it's a lot more than I think any of us assume happens to take uh, to put these things together. Of course, we all notice if one tiny detail uh, goes wrong and affects the fan experience, but there's literally a million of these details. One of the interesting things, too, that we also get into is uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps sharing Rio Tinto Stadium with RSL, taking over the former Royals locker room and office and workout spaces, the practice field over at AFCU Field. Uh, There's just so much uh, that Leif and his guys have to uh, get into in terms of, I don't know, parking is another issue, ingress, egress. Anybody that went to the RSL game and the fireworks show on July 3rd might have experienced – you know, traffic flow issues, Sandy PD, all that kind of stuff. So Leif and his staff – oversee all that. And it requires uh, a lot of planning. Every event creates uh, new and different challenges, opportunities, uh, wrinkles, etc. that then get applied to the next event based on uh, size and type. So without any further ado, here is Leif Smith, the new general manager for Rio Tinto Stadium right here on Bleeding Claret and Cobalt presented as always by One Wire Fiber. Bleeding, Claret and Cobalt, presented by OneWireFiber.com. That's the number one, WireFiber.com. The goal at OneWire has always been a simple one. Deliver cutting-edge telecommunications products and services better than anyone in the Utah communities we serve to all businesses, regardless of size, affordably. Visit OneWireFiber.com or call 801-990-6200. Latest episode, Bleeding, Claret, and Cobalt. Excited to welcome 
the interim Rio Tinto Stadium general manager, Leif Smith, longtime uh, director of events here. I'm very fortunate to have worked alongside Leif for almost five years. I think you came you came to the stadium late 2013. Is that right? Uh, right after Craig. So it was February 2014. Oh, OK. I, I, he came in however many months before. Yeah. And I came in shortly thereafter. Awesome. But uh, fans should know that Leif is the man responsible for bringing U.S. national team events uh, to Salt Lake, Liga MX events, obviously all the international friendlies that RSL has participated in amongst many, many other uh, high-profile events. So, Leif, thanks for hanging out with us today. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah. Um, I know we're catching you at a super busy time. Yeah, no, no, it's probably you, a good time. You are coming out of COVID with a bang, and um, – Obviously, we've got uh, June 9th, uh, USA Costa Rica, uh, kind of a Gold Cup tune-up. We've got uh, July 4th, uh, Santos and Club America. What an awesome event that a lot of soccer fans are looking forward to. And you've had high school graduations recently, a lot of, um, as well as the high school soccer championships. It seems like it's uh, it's a new thing every day that the stadium is announcing. Yeah, it's been it's been coming in very fast right now. Um, another one we're excited for is the Premier Lacrosse League coming back in August. Okay. Um, Rancid and Dropkick Murphys is looking very likely for October second, which will be cool with the you know Brendan aspect. Yeah, of uh, course, being the drummer for Rancid and. Um, a handful of other concerts that just some got announced yesterday and more coming, which is kind of something we haven't done much of before. You know, we had Rachel Platten for the Royals, right. but that wasn't, you know, like a ticketed concert. Right. We had a, con you know, we've had a couple private event concerts out on the plaza, but we haven't had one ticketed to the public um, out there ever. So, yeah. How's that going to work? So these are on the east, uh, the exterior of the east side? Yeah. So the U of U Health Plaza right outside the east gates. Um, we didn't really design it or plan it that way, but it ended up being a really great concert venue. Okay. Um, cause it's fully fenced already. Uh, we have a lot of the infrastructure and power and, and, you know, experience staffing wise to put those on, especially with Jake Jensen, um, over yeah. at Broadway media, yeah. who, for those that don't know, is a huge part of RSL family as yeah, well. Jake's you been know, great. even though his, his bread and butter is Broadway and the radio stations, like he's been part of RSL for ever and the monarchs as well he's a right. huge part of the monarchs um but you know concerts he's he's one of the best concert guys in if if not the city this the region um and so having his help ha has really shed to light with these promoters out there and agents like hey we do have a space out mm -hmm. here that can do it um but when you when you've never done it before there's some hesitancy there from their side yeah. where they're like well we'd like to see a show out there first before we commit to doing one um, and Jake's helped ease their minds that it's going to be great. Um, once we get them here for site visits, they see the mountain backdrop yeah. behind. We show them where the stage is going to go, which is right in front of the East Gates. Um, so everybody's just standing in the plaza looking at the East Gates. Okay. And then we've got the, you know, the AFCU Pavilion to the south, which is a great place for um, food and beverage right. and bathrooms. And then over on the North Concourse, we'll use that area too for additional bathrooms okay. and use the Zag Brands Executive Club as the green room. Okay. It's like once they saw that all these places that normally you have to build out if you go somewhere else, um, like for example, the Gallivan, the Gallivan Center right. or Plaza, yeah, Gallivan Center, Pioneer Park where the mm. Twilight shows are, um, or the Sandy Promenade outside of City Hall, you got to rent all that fencing. You, you got to right. bring in power. Um, you have to figure out all these things where we're already half or more, more than halfway down the road coming here. Yeah. You don't have to rent the fencing. We already own a bunch of staging equipment and stuff like that from when we used to do concerts inside the stadium. Yeah. Um, which is a funny segue to kind of how we can backtrack. Cause obviously things are killing it right now and we can come back to it, but going back to the beginning. So I came in, in 2014, as you know, which is also kind of a unique situation um with rachel but uh uh leaving and um i was working for the knitting factory concert house okay. in boise idaho okay um running that venue and so i'd been doing concerts exclusively for two years i'd, I'd worked um you know in a weird way i go back to rsl all the way to 07 because i was working for rice Eccles stadium yeah, and the huntsman center utah, at the right? university of utah 
And uh, RSL was still playing there at that time before Rio Tinto got built. And so I've been doing RSL games for a couple years at that point before they came over here. And that's where I got to know Trino Martinez. Yep. And that was the main guy I worked with. And he, he helped me somewhat get my foot in the door over here when I wanted to come back. Um, but before that, I'd been doing a lot of concerts on campus, part of student government. Okay. I didn't even realize what I was doing. I was just doing it for fun. Right. I didn't realize it was going to turn into a career. Together, yeah? But, you know, I'd been learning how to do events on campus, permitting, working with police, all the different random things you have to do to do events on campus. Yeah. I was the the president of the ski and snowboard club. So some of those events were bringing in dump trucks full of snow to do little things like that. And I somehow figured out how to do concerts and do events on campus that led to the stadium. And then we did the U2 360 tour. Oh, nice. And that really was a learning experience to do a show of that magnitude. And I was like, well, if I can do that, I think I could do concerts pretty much anywhere. Yeah, sure. So I went up to Boise to do concerts for two years and uh, got married and had a kid and just didn't want to do concerts all the time anymore because you're coming home at like two, three in the morning. Right. And I talked to talked to Craig Martin here um, about coming over here and it all worked out. And they were like, oh, great. He's going to be our concert guy. Like, you know, he'll help <laughs> us book these shows and he he's, knows how to do concerts. So perfect, perfect match. And then a few months into that, Deloitte's like, we're not doing concerts anymore. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess that makes my job easier then. Um, but, you know, I'd always kind of liked booking shows. That yeah. was kind of something I'd always enjoyed that that part of the the career is it's, you know, it's a game, it's a negotiation, it's relationships. It's, right. it's never the same every time. And so I was kind of bummed that I wasn't going to do that anymore, but I was also excited that part of the reason I took this job was to have a easier workload than what yeah. I've been doing the past couple of years so I could focus on family. And so we built the giant video board, which I don't know if Craig brought that up in his segment, but yeah, we talked a little bit, but about the it. main, uh, something fans might like to know is, uh, one of the main reasons we don't do stadium concerts anymore is because of that video board, because mm -hmm. the, the stadium was built purpose built to fit this certain stage that we owned right. into that space of the stadium. And once we built that video board, which is great, right? I yeah. think I think fans get way more, way more enjoyment out of that video board being there, seeing replays and stuff like that. Obviously, there's a financial aspect too for us with right. with corporate partnerships, but um, it just made more financial sense to build that video board sure. than than keep it so we could build our stage. So once that was done, doing a concert in here is almost impossible because right. you have to rent that stage, build that stage deconstruct the south end cover the field rent the chairs rent pa rent lighting it's almost impossible to to find an act that can financially make sense to make that work and rice Eccles is a perfect example how many concerts has rice Eccles had in 20 years two yeah u2 and now garth brooks wow and okay. so if you can if, if we can get you two or garth brooks in here i think we could make we it can work figure out a way, yeah. <laughs> but uh trying to get you know ario speedwagon and sticks to work or or something like yeah. that like we've done in the past cool. it just didn't make it. and we added a second soccer tenant shortly after that's a huge part of it too is so not so only all your uh weeknights and saturday nights doing once we had 35 home games a yeah, year they were between gone. RSL and Mars. They were gone. Yeah, I remember when I started and it was just RSL. I was like, 17 games a year? That's all we have to do? Yeah. Coming from the concert world where we did 150 in a year, I was wow. like, this is the best job in the world. Yeah. But yeah, things evolved. Um, things changed. Um, but And so I wasn't booking stuff anymore. But then uh, Bill Manning left. Okay. And main guy booking U.S. soccer events and Gold Cup. And right. Anytime those came around. Um, those usually went through Bill Manning. Right. And when Bill Manning left, just like when Deloitte comes in one day and drops a bomb, he's like, we're not doing concerts anymore. I was like, okay. Bill Manning leaves. He's like, you're booking all the events now. And I was like, okay. Okay. I haven't booked stuff like that before, but I'm going to yeah. figure it out. And uh, the, the first year that got handed off to me, um, and Rob Zarkos and Dan Egner were a huge part of it too. They should get a lot of credit, but- uh, we got Inter Milan to mm, come in. Right. And we hadn't played anybody that big in a while. You know, no. we started off with a bang with Real Madrid, obviously. Yep. Um, 
and back then the the season ticket package had you know 20 game package or something so we always had to have one or two Some friendlies sort of in the game yeah but it usually wasn't the biggest names oh, you it was know? usually an open cup game or something yeah open cup or a team from mexico that wasn't usually very high up in the table um we even played the the chinese national team yep. the fijian national team yep uh harbor view from jamaica like some teams that people have never even heard of universidad católica i think that was the first one we ever did yeah yeah and, and all those jerseys from all those events are downstairs in the locker room hallway um i know a handful of fans have got to come see those but it is kind of cool to that walk that cool. hallway and see all the different people we've played and when promoters come in that's a fun walk to do because you walk by David Beckham's jersey right. hanging up there. You walk by Manchester United. You walk by Inter Milan. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, these guys actually know what they're doing. Because yeah. um, if you're not in our world, you probably don't even realize that sure. we've played those teams. There's yeah. so many friendlies every year in general. But I feel like we do punch above our weight. But so we, we book Inter Milan. We book U.S. soccer that first year. Um, I think we played... San, we, I think we played a team from League MX, I think, the same year. So my first year figuring it out, booked three pretty decent things, and it really just kind of took off from there. Um, the training facility was a huge part of it. Yeah. Once the training facility was built, even though Eintracht Frankfurt wasn't the sexiest name, mm. um, they came out and stayed for a week. And, you know, these days, when you're out there, they're posting on social media sure. every few hours. and. Show, showcasing the training facility yep. to the world. And at that time, you know, they fairly international roster. Yeah. So they've got fans from Mexico and all over the place noticing that. And they won the this. German Cup the year they came here, right? Yeah, they beat Bayern Munich. It it, it wasn't like the Bundesliga. I, I I think it was one of the cups. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were really good that year. And so it, it wasn't the, the, the biggest name for our fans, right. I, I think, but, you know, still a high caliber team yeah. globally. Um, How long do those deals take to put together? Uh, all over the place, man. Because, so, like, you can plan, but if a team doesn't make Champions League or if they do make a certain stage mm -hmm. or if they have a coaching change, it, it can upset all the best they 100%. Plans. And, yeah. like, so it's like Manchester United, for example – that one started way early mm -hmm. and you're crossing your fingers because you're having all these negotiations before the schedule comes out. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, where some gaps are going to be with FIFA, yeah. FIFA windows and, you know, the league lets you reserve a few, few days a year, but they don't let you do it for soccer games. Like if you're trying to do a concert or lacrosse or mm -hmm. something like that, they'll let you do one, but they won't let you black one out for mm -hmm. a friendly because that you know they want they want the soccer games to be focused on yeah the league schedule's got to be mm -hmm. priority and so sometimes you're having this conversation for a year mm. and then you're crossing your fingers just to hope it works out sometimes it's a month out and a random guy calls or some random thing works out or another venue falls through and then you you have a month turnaround and where you just and got you're dealing lucky. generally with a promoter and then U.S. soccer has to sanction all these. I think that's something mm -hmm. not a lot of people know. Yeah. And, and if it's Soccer United marketing can be involved with certain teams or tours or events. Yeah. A lot of layers. Yeah. And so, yes, the specifically Soccer United marketing with the Mexican national team, right. which they came in 2015. And that was one of the bigger events we've had. That one mm -hmm. sold out really quick. Um, so usually, you know, it, it, it isn't all the same. I, for the most time, it isn't promoters. So yeah. okay. I would say for the most time, it's U.S. soccer. Uh, Paul at U.S. soccer um, have a good relationship with him. And we're, all, you know, every year we kind of just look at some dates to potentially see where stuff can fit. And, yeah. um, you know, we're still really hoping for a World Cup qualifier this fall. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but the, that that one's really about just having a close relationship with them. Soccer United Marketing, the same thing. After those two, I would say the majority of it is direct relationship with teams. Okay, There's usually a guy like me or a similar person like me at every team that their job is these friendlies and and tournaments, games, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, not so much in Major League Soccer, but with big Euro teams, they have one guy that that's like their only job. Yeah. And so um, you, usually those are the ones I'm working with when we're, when we're booking a Euro friendly or an international friendly. Um, but with, the, with Club America, um, they're kind of unique in a way 
that they are a popular enough team that they can do a tour every summer. Right. Whereas like another league MX team might just have like one game in the States, mm. you know, they're not trying to play four or five games like right. club America will. So club America uses a promoter to, cause it's a tour. It's a different animal than just flying into town for one game. Yeah. You're flying, you got to plan all the hotels and all the flights to, to play all these sure. games. Um, so for the most part, you're working directly with teams. Um, and what do you have to sell them on? I mean, obviously this is a beautiful venue, but it's not an NFL stadium. So mm -hmm. the revenue for a team like club America may not be there as if, it might be when they go to, you know, San Francisco or Denver, or Seattle yeah. or LA, obviously. Um, but the altitude I imagine is a training, um, environment that a lot of coaches like. Yeah. And then certainly being close to some of those other major cities is, is gotta be part of Salt Lake's allure as well, right? Yeah. You nailed it. So the, the state of sport, Utah, um, we get a lot of support from the Utah sports commission, mm. which helps a lot with these. But that, that part of it's not very hard to sell because okay. they like the elevation. They like the, you know, especially with the brand new airport at Salt Lake City. Mm. It's really easy to get in and out of Salt Lake. Um, they like Park City as well. A lot of them. Okay. Because it's like, you know, the teams, the players, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, they're celebrities in a lot of these bigger Euro teams. And they want to go to sexy places. And so... We're not the sexiest place, but when you can pitch them on Park City a little bit, that does it. But the the elevation helps. Really easy to get to the rest of the United States. Um, our training facilities easily one of the best, if not the best, in the United States. Um, Club America's coming here, obviously the Fourth of July, but they're staying here for like ten days or something before oh, wow. okay. at the training facility. They're gonna live out there. Um, at the at the Soleil lofts across the street and the housing unit where the academy kids are, take over the academy space, and they're gonna do their whole preseason camp here. Oh, that's awesome! And then do that, and so the training facility is a huge selling point um, to get them out there. And when they visited, they sent their, uh, I think their training coach out here to do a little site visit before they they uh, fully fully signed all the paperwork. And he said, this is the nicest training facility in North America. And so, and he, he was from, I mean, we think so, but it's always good to hear yeah, it from an and, external. And you don't want to just say that out loud, right? right? And just make yourself look, look, you know, yeah. pop pompous and stuff. And so, and he came, he's from Canada. He's worked, I think with every Canadian team uh, in Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal before uh, going over to club America. So, okay. and he's, he knows MLS, he knows Canadian soccer, he yeah. knows Mexican soccer. And he said, we have the nicest one in North America. That's so, amazing. So to hear that from him was pretty cool. Yeah. Because like you said, we've said, we think that. But, yeah. uh, and, and the aspect he, he highlighted was we're, we're one of, I think, two teams. I can't remember the other MLS team. But we're one of only two where the academy, the second team, and the first team are all in the same building. Mm -hmm. um, some are in the same city. Yeah. Um, but the academy facility is, you know, at this part of town and mm -hmm. this one's in this part. We're the only one besides one other team that that has that structure. Hmm. And so I think that that is obviously a highlight of our club for sure. You bring up his experience with the Canadian teams. Obviously, you're emerging from COVID and scheduling all these events at a time when the Vancouver Whitecaps are calling Rio Tinto and Salt Lake and Sandy home. How's that experience been? How's that? How has that come together? Obviously, uh, they've effectively taken over a lot of the Royals' uh, spaces, but um, I guess give our fans some insight into that yeah. dynamic. Yeah, it, it's been seamless, to be honest. You know, it, with having all the space that we have from the, the Royals' locker room and team areas, and having uh, America First Field down the street, one of the most pristine pitches in Salt Lake City being unused and you know we had it for them uh, but but going back to the beginning you know all the canadian teams needed a home uh because of the travel restrictions every time you go back to canada from the u.s you have to quarantine for 14 days and so with the mls schedule being what it is that just doesn't work and so all the canadian teams had to find homes um, and they were in portland last year uh, but they were they were in downtown Portland, um, which is a great place, but they didn't have a lot of recreational things to do without getting outside of town a little okay. bit. And they were just in a hotel. Um, they didn't have like a furnished apartments or anything available for them to go. So 
they're basically just stuck in this hotel. And of course, it's in the middle of all these riots going on last summer. That's right. So they wouldn't even, they didn't even feel comfortable leaving the hotel because there was riot police and rioters in the streets every single night. And so they liked Portland because it was so close to home. You know, if they did get a break where they could go home or even just their family driving down, sure, it wasn't that far. Um, but we were kind of, you know, the second best in proximity, at least. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you can't just drive down here super easy, but it's still pretty close to home. Yeah. Whereas the other two teams are in Florida, yeah, which has plenty of facilities down there, but uh, that you know they're not made, not all made for professional soccer teams. Our facilities is made exactly yeah. for a professional yeah. soccer team. Um, so they were, they were, they are thrilled. They have been so easy to work with. Um, they're gracious to be here. Yeah. They treat us with so much respect and we give it right back at them. We're sympathetic to their situation, but they, you know, they, you would not believe how even just walking in the hallways with them, how friendly they are. A lot of us are friends now. We'll yeah. go out to drinks. Like that's awesome. every single request they have, you know, we, we try to work out, but they're like, if it doesn't work out, don't worry. They're not like, they're not demanding in any way, <laughs> shape or form. But so they, so they had to find a home. We worked out great for them. Um, obviously the schedule's pretty packed for us. Like this is, May was, may have been the busiest month we've ever mm. had at the stadium. Wow. So we had six MLS games. Yeah. Four RSL games, two Vancouver games. Mm-hmm. Two of those were doubleheader weekends. We had four, three days of high school graduations, which are from sunup to sundown. Anybody that's ever had to deal with that, God bless your soul. Because yeah. they are very difficult to do when you've got thousands of people coming in and then thousands of people leaving on top of another. Sure. Th- however many yeah. thousand coming in. So I feel sorry for Sandy City too, because the roads were just packed around here mm. at those times, which happens, I think, at every high school graduation yeah, site. Like I even remember at the University of Utah, they were just a nightmare. But um, it was nice to do that for the community and these schools because they had to find places they could do it because indoor venues during COVID were kind of the, right, no, the no-no. Right. Sure. And so I know Zebra had some too, um, but we kind of got lucky, even though they're hard events to pull off, getting that revenue during yep. uh, COVID was fantastic. We've, we've been lucky in that aspect as well. We're still one of the only places that's fully wide open. It's right. really a lot of places every week are now popping up. Yeah. But even going back to last year, we were one of the least restrictive states and mm-hmm. counties in the country, which is why we got those, the Premier Lacrosse League and NWSL Challenge Cup tournaments, sure. which was another ridiculous feat to right. be completely shut down and thinking nothing's happening for a while. Mm-hmm. And then probably the busiest stretch we've ever had at this organization was out there last summer, game after game, after game, after game for two and a half months between wow. the two. But this month, you know, the, the, the six games, the high, three days of high school graduations, and then five high school soccer games. Cause we do the state championships right. for, for soccer, um, two, a three, a four, a five, a six, a, uh, so that was a, it was a busy month for us. It's That's insane. Busy. So it sounds like you got a lot on your plate. Obviously this is all on top of, um, getting what RSLs had four sellouts, I think already this year, mm-hmm. um, with reduced COVID capacity and, and, and uh, the rules changing between every single one of those. Correct. Games. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, um, so June 9th, you've got us Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the capacity going to be for that? Do we know yet? Uh, we can go all the way on that one. Okay. We can go full, awesome. full house, but it, it is a Wednesday. It is a five o'clock game. Right. Uh, cause of a conflict with ESPN. Um, that night is a huge track and field. I don't know if it's the college national championships or okay. if it's like the, it, the biggest, track and field thing pre-Olympics. Like okay. I think a lot of people like qualify for Olympics or yeah. something from that. Um, so they had to change the TV time. So at 20,000 would obviously be fantastic, sure. but a Wednesday at five o'clock, I don't know how feasible that is for a lot of people, but for some, like for me, I actually think that's better. Like, yeah. uh, cause you know, obviously our cell games, we do a lot of them during the summer, a lot of them seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, right. because it's just too hot and, yep. and uh, some other factors like that as well. Um, but you know, I have two kids, uh, six and seven years old and you're not and bringing them to an eight o'clock. We're kick. blessed enough that they go to bed pretty easy, pretty early. Yeah. Ah, those games are past their bedtime or at their bedtime. And so there's only a couple day games a year, usually that I can bring the kids to. And so uh, ticket sales have actually been pretty good for it. I, and I'm guessing that's a factor is people are like, oh, I can finally yeah. get my kids home before exactly. 
you know, 10, 10, 11 o'clock at night or early June, not going to be hopefully too hot. Knock on wood. Um, School's out. Right. Yeah. No, that's great. I I think it's like at a, I think it's at 13 or 15,000 already. So it's actually, it's doing pretty good. That's great. Pulisic will be here, all the heavy hitters. Nice. Gonna be great to see those guys um, in our stadium. Obviously, I think I think what there was a concern with the RSL ownership transition that that we might be shut out of some of these events um, until that's resolved. But obviously, uh, you've proven that not to be the case, and and everything that you and John Kimball and the Sports Commission have done to get the U.S. here, get the Liga MX event here. Um, I think it's fantastic, and I think it really goes a long way towards reminding our fans, you know, what we have here. Yeah, uh, with with this venue, with Harriman as well, and then um, adding the concert level back on top of that on the east side is super exciting. Yeah, yeah, I feel like those are all good good points to make, and probably good things for the fans to hear. Like obviously, last year's last year's turmoil was very chaotic for a stretch of time but one, once the initial shock wore off mm-hmm. of like you know Deloitte's leaving because Deloitte is a huge you know very huge part of a lot of our lives here like sure. he was pretty close with with most of us yeah. as you know and so to kind of, once you kind of got over that part of it the the shock things actually went back to normal really quick the, this place isn't all that big <laughs> we're we we're at the end of the day we're we're probably the the shortest staff team in the league by a mm. mile, and the people that are here it, this can be a challenging place to work time wise. You know, you, it's, yeah. like you were saying, you're working almost every weekend a lot of the time. But the people that are here are dedicated and are here for a reason. We all could probably leave and go yeah. somewhere else if we want to, and none of us want to because yeah. we love this place. And so even though Deloitte's you know transitioning out of the picture, and there's been some other fairly significant changes that to the public would make it look like this place was just, you know, a tornado. Yeah. The people that are here have stabilized it and it it wasn't even that hard to stabilize it because the people here are so dedicated. Um, but the to to transition back to the new new aspect of these concerts, which I, I'm a huge music junkie, so yeah. I'm super excited about it. Um, that's been taking up a lot of our time lately. But w- once people got over that, uh, the the realization like oh you can do concerts there mm-hmm. we've been flooded with people hitting us up that's great because uh, there just aren't that many outdoor venues in in the area of that size yeah you know Red Butte Gardens three thousand capacity USANA I think is twenty or something close to that mm. there's not much in between yeah sure besides those parks like yeah. Pioneer Park Galvin Center stuff like that. And what's the capacity on the east side? We can get up to ten thousand, potentially more, if we if we asked for it from okay. Sandy City. But we've yeah. been approved for ten thousand, wow. and so we're kind of right in between. And there's a lot of artists that during the summer tours specifically say, "I want to play an outdoor venue." Yeah, like they just want to get outside. They just a lot of these bands have a different vibe, sure, um, than an indoor space in the summer, which can get really hot too. Uh, we've got the awesome mountain backdrop too. The stage mm-hmm. will be right in front of the east stands, looking at the mountains. So the artists are going to walk out on stage and see those wow. mountains, and it can be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the stuff we've been booking is is artists that like that. So um, Revolution, Steel Steel Pulse. Um, the one I'm most excited about is a hip hop group out of Minnesota called Atmosphere, which okay. is my favorite group in the entire world. Nice. Um, I have some of their lyrics tattooed on my ribs, like they're my favorite group. Wow. And so the, the way that stars aligned, like I didn't go out hunting for it. Like that's they, crazy. We're just working with a, a local promoter named Fawn, um, that they're one of the ones coming with Cypress Hill. Um, but there's more coming. Like we're literally getting hit up almost every day by other groups that want to bring stuff in here. So I think Has it's going to get- Nick Romando giving you his recommendations? <laughs> Not yet, but I know he will. Obviously I big music guy. Music guy. Yeah. Uh, but Rancid and Dropkick Murphys in, uh, on October 2nd. Is that in conjunction with a game or no? Uh, no. Okay. No, that's just its own thing Because I know there. we've talked for years about trying to figure out how to do Rancid in conjunction yeah, with it, RSL. There's so many things going on during an RSL game. It's kind of hard to yeah. combine them. Um, sure. But obviously we're excited about that one. But I think we're going to get to a point next year where every single weekend that there isn't a game, there's probably going to be a concert out there. So. That's awesome. Another fun way to get people to re- Any update on um, 
maybe letting RSL fans come to those Vancouver home games against RSL? Uh, yeah, so that that's also good to, to bring up. So Vancouver hasn't had fans at their games. Mostly, we didn't think there was enough demand, demand right? in the market, yeah. and it adds more expense to, you know, sure. if you think about their situation, all they're doing is spending money right now. They're right. not making any money. Right. Um, I mean, they still have a player that can't get across the border that they're wow. paying his salary to just sit yeah. at home. Um, but, you know, the fans have been great. They've been reaching out on social saying, hey, we'll support them if you guys sell them. Yeah. Um, and it, to be completely honest, May was just so busy with right. everything we had going on. We were like, we can't figure out how to do this right sure. now. Like, let's get through this. And then it, there's a good gap gap in games. Yeah except us soccer uh <laughs> there's a good gap in, in rsl vancouver games up until the middle of june um let's look at it for that and sure enough they play the la galaxy they play us and then the la galaxy again oh wow um so of, of all the teams in the, the league besides us one of the better ones to try and sell yeah you know there's a pretty good not only la galaxy fan base here sure. from all the la transplants but chicharito's Chicharito, a megastar right. yeah and he didn't get called up to the national team which is lucky for us because yeah. we get to see him at in peak form it would appear wow um so we're going to sell tickets to those it'll all be on the west side uh you might even see those go on sale uh before this podcast comes out would be my guess okay um so if that's the case uh look online um if you want to come see chicharito um or rsl yeah um but my assumption is if you're not a season ticket holder the the rsl game is going to be all season ticket holders that are going to yeah. sell that out because it's going to be two to four thousand seats um one of the only ways they can make money is the digital advertising that mm -hmm. you see on tv yep and uh even though we tried to do the digital advertising on top of fans in a few mls markets the league was just like it doesn't look good yeah um so Vancouver, if you watch their games on TV, Rio Tinto Stadium is covered from the south all the way through the east, all the way to the north with digital signage. Yeah, sure. And that's one of the only ways they're making money right now. Yeah. So we'll only be selling tickets on the west, the west side. side. So depending on demand, we're going to do two to 4,000. That's great. If it's 2,000, we'll spread them out so everybody's not right next to each other. Um, you know, three three feet of spacing or something like that between you. And if it ends up being 4,000, we'll just fill the whole yeah. west side. Well, and if you're not already an RSL season ticket holder, between that perk and then seeing Bobby Wood and uh, Johnny Menendez, Johnny Goals is actually his nickname. Yeah. So hopefully he lives up to it. And what's sounding like maybe a new center and back. And then a new center back that uh, was just announced. I haven't committed his name to memory, but he is a former uh, teammate of Demir Krylak and gotcha. close friend. So 27-year-old Croatian center back uh, coming in, a lot of reinforcements that will make this team deeper and uh, hopefully a, a little more dynamic and start capturing those home points. Yeah, sounds like Demir is going to be in a front office as soon as he's <laughs> done with his career. He's pulling strings. Yeah. Obviously, anybody that's uh, come across Demir's path knows what an amazing human uh, he is off the field. And I guess that's what I'd like to get into next with you, Leif, is what are some of your favorite memories running this place and some of your favorite maybe interactions that fans can, uh, like me, can geek out on uh, just hearing those anecdotes or those stories that we don't always <laughs> get to see between the white lines 90 yeah. minutes every week, you know? You know, it's... It, it probably isn't as exciting as you'd hope because all, all of my favorite memories and moments are not in the middle of a giant event going on. Right. Um, it's it's behind the scenes. It's working in the print shop till one in the morning to get field boards printed for the Challenge Cup last year. Okay. Or, um, you know, something breaks at the stadium the day before a game and we're all working as a team Scrambling. together, trying yep. to get it fixed. Stuff stuff that you hope nobody notices because if you did your job, you know they're not going to notice it. Right. The camaraderie and stuff you build during those moments are all my favorite. Um, I, I I could pick one one that I really liked, um, especially now that my boss is leaving because he won't care. <laughs> uh, but and and I told it in our staff meeting a couple weeks ago when we were telling stories, but. When we were doing the Challenge Cup uh, tournament last year, uh, a significant part of what we do is, is printing and branding. Mm -hmm. we, we do as much sign printing and banner printing and field boards that you see around the field in-house to save money. And um, we were working on the broadcast trucks, putting up NWSL's logo on them for, for that. 
And my boss, Craig, comes over and he's a big ops guy. Like he he started in this company just like me right. or in this industry doing doing the small stuff. And a lot of, he, as we all move up the chain, that's one of the parts that's kind of harder for us to let go of. Because a lot of times you like yeah. being boots on the grounds, getting your hands dirty. So we're working on this and he's just hanging out with us and love the guy. But he just, we, we'd be going so much faster if he would just leave us alone. And uh the, this other guy, Mitch, that works out at Zebra was building the player arch that the players, uh, that they put out on the field, right. an anthem and yeah. walk out of the tunnel or, or whatever. And it's in all these pieces. And he was probably figuring it out just fine. Uh, but there weren't like instructions with it or anything. And we hadn't checked in on him in a while because we were doing this. But it was like, oh, Craig, we hear Mitch is having a real tough time with this player arch. He probably <laughs> really needs your help. <laughs> And he goes over there and just blows up Mitch's world and says, I hear you're messing this up. Like, I'm taking over. And so probably same for him. He probably would have got it done way faster if Craig didn't come over and get involved. But he, he comes up to me later. He's like, what did you guys tell Craig? And we were just <laughs> laughing so hard. And at that moment, that is uh, when we, 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 uh, we made the term release the Craigan. Okay. If you release nice. the Craigan on somebody, that's when you just need Craig to get out of your hair. So you, you sick them on somebody else. <laughs> um, but I wish I had a better story for like something that happened that if, during a game that a fan would go. I mean, I think some of the best ones ever are the duck and the cat. Yeah. We, uh, we how, spoke about some of the fun animal stories yeah. with Dan Farns a few months back. How in the heck did we get both of those things <laughs> in a fairly short time? Like, what what animal is going to dart out on the field yeah. next? Th those were some of the funniest ones I can remember. Um, but man, I don't have any others that that are popping to mind that the fans would probably really enjoy. But so, what's your dream event to bring here? Or who's your dream club to bring here to play against RSL? <laughs> Atmosphere concert on the East Plaza. Uh, no <laughs> club wise. Besides that, yeah, it, my dream event. You know, to be honest, Manchester United probably already was yeah. it, and they've already tried to come back, but we didn't get the scheduling right. Oh, but, really? But that one just made me feel proud. Like that made me feel like I was really good at what I did that they wanted to come back here yeah that's awesome and and and, and that one just made me feel good about where I'd, I'd got in my career yeah and so I feel like I've already kind of hit hit one of the, the biggest ones I'd want to hit but the net looking forward in the future would love to bring them back again obviously um but I think a world cup qualifier this next round would probably be one of my favorites okay. because knowing how important it is for U.S. soccer to make it this time yeah and the training facility is is looking like it's going to be hosting one, if not two, teams when World Cup does come down the pipe. And right. so to do that and have if USA is not in it, that's yeah. just not going to be as fun. And so, when when will US Soccer make decisions on the next round of qualifiers? You know, I don't know off the top of my head, yeah. but I know it's this fall. Okay, and, and I know that we. Even though we're not the biggest stadium, not always the one that can sell the most tickets and stuff like that, a lot of times we do become a finalist for those to, as an option of where they'll go because of the elevation. It's the fall. And well, a lot of times we're playing a team from sea level. Okay. And so if we can take a, a warm climate team from sea level and bring them up into the mountains yeah. here, and then hopefully it's a little bit colder weather, that gives them a playing advantage. And they know that we're going to have a, a home field advantage from a fan base perspective mm -hmm. as well. Here. Yeah. Yeah. A qualifier, I'm sure, would sell out yeah. and, and be real loud. So, and I, I haven't done one of those since I've been here. I know there was some before my time. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd really love to do a qualifier. Yeah, the qualifiers have been great. Um, the one that sticks out, obviously, for me is the one in late 2009, uh, which is when um, Deloitte overheard Dave Checkett's pitch for uh, joining his ownership group. And that was a fateful night. RSL, or sorry, US beat uh, El Salvador that night. Yeah. Um, the other big memory that sticks out for me was a Gold Cup in 2013 when we had Kyle, Nick, and Tony all starting for the U.S. on this field here yeah. uh, while RSL was in Dallas later that night. So that, that's that always a fun part of it, too, when one of our guys or multiple of them are on yeah. it. That in, in 2017, when, when we played Venezuela, that was mm. pretty cool. Because that's I, right. I think that was Ramondo's last game. Okay. On, on Last call-up, potentially. But then they Savarino, Savarino was on Venezuela. Was on, I think, yep. making his debut yeah. as well. And I feel like we had another 
young player on the U.S. roster. Maybe Corey Bear. I can't remember. Yeah, that could have been because um, I, I remember at, you know watching the game, hoping that both our guys would be on the field at the same time. Yeah. Actually, it might have been Justin Glad. Yeah, that might have been it. And anyway, I, I could be wrong, but that yeah. would have been also really cool if Ramondo's last call up when it was in his own stadium. Yeah, very cool. And now we've got Ochoa knocking on that door yep. uh, with the U.S. And um, I personally am glad he's not uh, going to miss five or six RSL games to play Gold Cup. But mm -hmm. it is good that uh, Burhalter had had brought him in for the game in Switzerland, and and maybe he can just be part of the uh, delegation for some of these. Uh, Nations Cup games or yeah. whatever. Nations and he should League. still be on the squad for the game here. Um, right, June 9th. Yep. And I think there's a real good chance you're going to see him. That'd be, be awesome. Because after Nations League and before Gold Cup, you know, this is just a friendly. Right. And there's definitely some theory there that they might be trying to rest some of those guys that played a lot of minutes in the Nations yeah, Cup sure. game. Okay. Um, but at the same time, they have to tune up for Gold Cup. So yeah. if, if they're trying to install some new you know, tactics or things like that, who knows? But I think there's a real good chance Ochoa is going to get some time That'd in that game. Awesome. I, I would not be surprised. What is, uh, what's the most bizarre request you've had from one of these international visitors? Oh man. Um, it, whether it's last minute, whether so, it's yeah, something goofy so, in the some, rider, I don't so know. So Mexican national team. I can't think of one that was like really, really goofy, but I can think of a last minute request okay. that was quite a doozy. So the Mexican national team, Trinidad and Tobago, 2015, um, Mexico shows up. At that time, like all the fields were taken for tournaments or something like that. Mm. And the they wanted a their, their biggest request is that they wanted a private training facility okay. where, where people couldn't see them and fans couldn't show up and bombard them. And I was like, well, there aren't many, but BYU is private. And so if you want to make the trek down there every right. day, because you're also refusing to stay down there. You want to stay in downtown Salt Lake. <laughs> uh, if you want to make the trek, that's really nice field and it's private. They show up first day. They're like, yeah, that's way too far. That's not going to work. And so in a day, we're like, okay, well, your next best option is the University of Utah, but it's not fully private. Like you're going to have campus kids. There's the fences are there, but you can see straight through them. But, you know, nobody really knows you're going there. So see if it works out and so i'm guessing the liaisons that our local people just started spreading the word as fast as they could uh, because okay. there was thousands <laughs> of people at the u of u campus when we showed up to their soccer field and this is before they moved it over to the by the softball field and so we had to like link our arms together between with as many staff as we could from the bus to the gate of the field just to make like a tunnel wow. that they could walk through and people are just throwing their babies over trying to like get them signed and wow. all kinds of stuff and then the, the field was just lined with thousands of people it's like well you're the guys that asked for this request this is this is what you get but it all worked out but that, that was a weird one that is crazy but i i can't think of one that was like i really just odd requests for the most part they're all pretty easy to work yeah. with they really are who is the forward for inter milan uh he's at psg now i think uh icardi that's right yeah icardi yeah that was a big deal yeah he's, i, I remember his player. whole story with whatever team he was on yeah. up marrying his yeah, teammate's a lot of, wife a lot of soap opera <laughs> tabloid stuff lukaku here in a man U uniform was awesome yeah, his first goal yep. as a Man U guy. That's right. That that was kind of interesting playing them when when they were. I do remember them being lined up in the player tunnel, and you see our team on one side and their team on the other. Cool moment, but just realizing the size difference. Yeah, when sure. You have Lukaku standing there, yeah. and uh, who's the tall guy with the fro that was on their team? Fellini. Fellini. Yeah. You see those giants standing yeah. next to us, just like, oh man, this is like. This is they're on a completely different yeah. level. It's but like we, when, we've played well that game. Yeah, no, it was a great game. Uh, it's like when Germany plays the U.S. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we always look really small. Um, well, Leif, what what else do you want the fans to kind of take away from uh, kind of this reemergence back out of COVID into let's call it normalcy? Um, hopefully for the second half plus of 2021. Uh, you know, I would just say that. 
it, times have been really tough the last two years, um, but we're very much back to normal or getting back to normal. Mm. Um, we listen to the, to them. I'd want them to know that when they talk, either hit up the fan text line or contact their ticket rep or whatever, we do listen. Yeah, We're not always perfect, um, but we do care. That's something I'd want them to know that, you know, we're, we're far from perfect, but we are trying to get better all the time. Um, but, you know, I, I think every team in the league is probably saying the same thing, but we're still not staffed up to where we were before or probably ever will be, but we're doing the best we can uh, with what we got. But right. if you do have advice for us or things like that, don't hesitate to reach out because we, we do listen. That's great. Well, Leif, um, congrats on, on all your hard work, all your success and, you know, for me, somebody who's kind of tangentially related to the organization right now and obviously a big fan of RSL and uh, this venue and the soccer culture in the state, uh, thank you. I appreciate it and um, excited for what not only summer and fall of 2021 have to bring, but um, I know we've all got uh, big hopes and dreams and plans for the future for RSL and Rio Tinto Stadium yeah. as well. It's nothing but but optimism right now. Yeah, that's probably another good thing for the fans to hear. Is we're we are just as excited as hopefully they are for what's coming. Good, awesome. Well, thanks for hanging out with us today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you as well. Awesome. Good Just stuff. keep golfing. Let's do it. <laughs>right that is the latest version edition of bleeding claret and cobalt now presented to you by one wire fiber go to the number one wirefiber.com thank you so much for listening if you want to connect with us and please do you can find us on both twitter and instagram at claret cobalt c-l-a-r-e-t-c-o-b-a-l-t we are always up for some banter, for omissions, corrections, guest suggestions, your favorite RSL memories, or whatever. You can also share your RSL memories at anchor.fm slash claret and cobalt. Press that message button. We'd love to hear from you. This show, independently produced by Trey Fitzgerald and Mountaineer Media, recorded at Mountaineer Studios in Draper, Utah. The views expressed here on this show are our own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or positions of Real Salt Lake. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.